To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 67. We're back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On all platforms you get your podcasts from, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, AHA Radio, your name it, we doing it. We're back in the building, man, episode 67, as we wrap up this year, 2021, man. This is the last podcast for the year 2021, man, between the holiday schedule and and uh, me taking a little bit of time off, man, a little bit of vacation time for me. So uh, I'm, a, you know, refreshing. I'm going to do some things in the background for the podcast and get some things done, um, refine some things and do some things differently. Um, you know, you know, take some time and do some uh, different uh, building and some segments that I want to get done while I'm vacationing. So um, we're going to take a brief pause. So we'll be back first of the year. Um, but we will give you a good, good show this week. I'm telling you, it's going to be a really good show the last year. Uh, through the new year and um get you going for uh 2022 so yeah man like, we're gonna start as always we're gonna start with who's in the news um in the nba uh we're gonna talk about Kyrie Irving and uh and how uh he's back by the way uh with the nets now the nets have caved in and allow him to play away games we'll talk about that uh we'll give a slight segment of Lakers locker room we're gonna do the latest Lakers news and uh what's going on with the team and what we feel like the team is at from a uh from a state of affairs standpoint we're gonna talk about um, it's entirety and what is going on and what's uh, to come. Uh, we're going to talk about COVID, its impact on the uh, NBA and what it's going to mean uh, going forward for the season as we are third of the way through. Uh, then we'll get to NFL headlines. We'll talk about Ever Meyer being fired again. We're going to get to that. I'll talk about that briefly in sports talk. We'll get to that again. I'll give you a, a rundown of, of what's next for the team as now he's gone. Um, we'll talk about COVID for the NFL as well. It is the growing concern. And we'll talk about exactly what that's going to mean for the last uh, uh, third of the season. Uh, then we're going to do a segment called Rise and Fall. Uh, teams that are uh, on the rise and are, on, and are free falling and why. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the playoff outlook and uh, where, where it stands now and what our bold predictions are for the season. Then we'll get into a segment called Squandering Opportunities. Um, it two teams this past week that squandered wins um, when they could have ultimately made different decisions in a game and won. Honestly, truly the Chargers and the Ravens, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and then we'll wrap up with our blindside hit of the week and our grievance of the week, uh, for sure. So we're going to get into all of that and then we'll wrap up the whole podcast, uh, this week and this year for it, our four quarter closeout. We're going to give out our awards for breakout player of the week, lockdown defender of the week and big dummy week. So let's, uh, get to it, man. Let's start with who's in the news. And here we go. So let's talk who's in the news in the NBA. Kyrie's back, but away. The Nets caved. They caved in. They caved in. I I, I called it. I called it. I did. Uh, if you want to look back and reference this, uh, episode 61. As a matter of fact, let me play you a clip of exactly when I dropped the news as a Nostradamus matter. In the Nostradamus matter, check this out. That being said, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about the uh, Nets being, like I talked about earlier, Kyrie dependent. Now, excuse me, KD dependent, and they need Kyrie. That's that's where I'm getting at. So <clears throat> this is the question I have. Because uh, I feel like, you know, he is at a contentious moment with the front office because they made a decision just to sit him down completely and not do this back and forth. So being that they're mildly struggling, I'm going to call it say mildly struggling. I'm not going to call it, I'm not going to, you know, push the panic button on them just yet, but if they're mildly struggling, you know, and if they continue to struggle and they still have that same identity, you know, 10 games in, 15 games in, 20, 
games in and they start to lose traction in the standings and the Bulls are looking good. He's looking good. The Bucks start to come back in the scene. They get as they get healthy. Uh, Knicks are a surprise. The Hawks start to get right. You know, you don't want to lose too much traction in, in the playoffs and mess around and be a six or playing game type of team because everybody else is just so good. So <clears throat> with that being said, will the Nets relent at some point if it gets too, too uh, turbulent? Uh, on their stance of sitting Kyrie for away games, because it's clear at this point that you know I, I don't and I don't see and this is my thing. Another thing people aren't talking about is that uh, you know they're wondering whether or not New York will uh, lift this mandate at some point if you know numbers get better. But you have to understand where we're at in in, in a time frame of the year. It's, we're going into the, the cold months, you know, and they, they talked about this last year with COVID. You know, it will get worse during the cold months because you have normal colds and flus and things of that nature. And people getting sick, you know, have this ability to have higher temperatures to, you know, make, you know, quote unquote, eradicate the, the, the virus easier, you know, with higher temperatures. So you're looking at it like I'm pretty sure the New York City is dug in on this being at least until the spring, you know, when it starts to get warm again, where they where they at all lift these mandates and these uh, bans that you can't come in unless you're vaccinated. So, with that being said, I don't think New York's going to relent. So, with the next relent is the question. You know, at least let him play away games so they'll give you a, a shot when it comes down to uh, it being um, being competitive and starting not to lose traction in the standings. You know, because to me, honestly, truly, with James Harden still trying to figure it out um, with his offense and how his rules are playing not into his favor. I mean, hell, the, the rule was made for him. So... You know, he's trying to figure that part out. So until he figures that part out, it kind of can affect the game offensively like he normally does, if he can anymore. Who knows? I mean, the rule might just really, honestly, truly take him, make him take a step back. Who knows? But they can get that. I feel like Kyrie won't be affected by that. And I feel like his scoring, you know, his 20 and 8 a night, it will be thusly needed, you know, because, again, he's compensating for Harden and he's giving – the team a boost and he's getting more people involved as a playmaker. So, you know, again, it, it makes a lot of sense for the, for if the Nets lose traction to say, you know what, we'll let them play away games because we're desperate and we're dug into this and we're all in and we got to win the title or try at least, you know, because, but if we don't even have make it a, a valiant effort in the regular season, then we don't, everything else doesn't matter. So I'm curious. So remember I said it episode 61 that, you know, how long will the Nets front office, Old Pat, if they continue to struggle. So, and there it is. <laughs> hey, sometimes you got to give people proof exactly what you said and how you said it if they missed it. And, you know, it's a lot of the content on my page. Sometimes you just can't comb through and tell and find exactly where I said it and when I said it. So, I had to find it for you. So, uh, yeah, Kyrie's back, but he's away. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they uh, have uh, now relented, like I called. Uh, the Nets have relented and decided to make allow him to come back and play away games. That it still precludes any New York uh, uh, games, including Knicks games and Toronto games, because Toronto's put that mandate in as well. Um, you can't even come into this country unless you're vaccinated. That's crazy. Well, not crazy, but they're not playing. Let me put it that way. They're not playing games with, with people in these in this vaccination and this pandemic. So, with that being said, Kyrie wins. And like I said, I called in episode 61. You know, Kyrie called the next bluff and, and just slow played it. He kind of slow played like I slow played my tape. You know, he would, you know, until the next brass caves on the idea of, of paying him $16 million for him to sit. And, and this came down to after, you know, COVID ramped up and we're just doing this, as Coach Kirk calls the Omarion variant, <laughs> but the Omicron variant. 
uh, it ramped up. And uh, Katie's been logging a lot of heavy minutes, you know, for them to be successful. Now, the only thing, you know, I wasn't completely and utterly right on, which could slow play itself into fruition had Kyrie been out longer. But they're still in number one, they're in the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. They're, they are. They're, they're still holding strong there. Uh, however, I don't think it, was, it will last. The, the healthier other people get or COVID strikes in different facets, it will change the dynamics of the standings as well. So who knows how long it's going to hold. But yet again, they uh, decided to, uh, you know, peel back their stance and decide to let him play away games, you know. And let's dig, let's dig deep into exactly what that means uh, for this team, honestly and truly. And that's in the coaching staff recognized that they, this is, this particular uh, model is not a sustainable model to win a championship. So you let Kyrie play and practice with the team now. Okay. Now let's pull back the covers on the situation. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, the trade talks heated up, you know, big time. And they were trying to find a trade partner for him, you know, despite, I'm sure they'll despite KD. And I, and I said that in, in my pocket as well. Despite KD's wishes or feelings at this point, they just wanted to cut bait and, and find somebody that was suitable to help them and could help them every night. You know, and like I said, I've recommended that they, they, they trade Kyrie. I, that was my stance on it as well, so I agreed with it. You know, but again, I guess they felt like that was going to, one, potentially completely utterly ruin the relationship with KD, and him coming back to sign for another long-term deal was going to be highly likely if he got rid of his buddy. You know, so that was one thing. You know, but again, you know, so they had no, again, so they had no choice to play him on the road. But, you know, here's the, here's the issue, though. And this is where I have a problem. You know, how do you honestly conceive yourself a team that makes a deep running with a part-time player who has mental and physical health history issues? You know, meaning he's brittle and he can take days off at any point in time to address his mental health at any given moment. You know, so that beg also begs the question because, you know, you you would think, you would afford to think that New York City, especially with this rising an Omicron variant and being very contagious and hitting a lot of uh, people, a lot of cases coming in, you know, at a high rate, you would You'd be a fool to think that they're going to let this ban at any point. I don't even care at this point. You heard me say the springtime, maybe. I don't even think it's going to be that. I don't even think it's going to be that. So what do you do? Because this is literally going to go way into, uh, you know, the spring and summer months, April, May, June, and that's all NBA playoff time, right? So if the if everything remained equal and they, they sat at the number one seed for the entirety of the uh season or they just happen to be the one seed at the end of the season it doesn't matter as long as you're the one seed come playoff time you're the one seed right so that tells you right there you're guaranteed four out of the seven games in each playoff series at home which Kyrie cannot play in so you mean to tell me that uh, four out of seven games he's unavailable to play and then that's assuming that you don't get to play the Knicks or the Raptors in either any round of the playoffs because if you have to play either one of those teams every game is off limits so do you really want to roll a dice there? That, that's 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 what I'm scratching my head at. I, I don't see how that works. I really don't. Um, you know, and where is James Harden in all this? You know, but I, my guess is the Nets feel that as though they, you know, that, that that that's you know, it's not enough. Uh, you know, for him as as a sustainable model for KD and, and Harden and the team they have around them, especially with COVID coming in and out. You know, teams going in and out of protocol. I guess they, they wanted enough, enough of a sustainable model. So they had to bring Kyrie back, at least on a part-time basis. I feel like that was going to get them over the hump and get them to the finals. You know. <laughs> but I will tell you this, though. I say this. If they if this particular aspect or this particular ideology does not work, yeah, they have an out here. They can completely and utterly 
lay this on Kyrie's shoulders and say that, say the KD and all the rest of the people that advocate for him to come back. Say, we brought him back. We only could play him in a part-time basis, basically on a mandate. It's nothing we had control over. He came back. It was a disaster. It was a shit show. And guess what? We didn't even make it to the finals because of him. So, yeah, again, that, that puts all the blame on him, and they have a complete out, and they have, a, they have grounds to do something different with him, you know, because it's just not working, you know. And the idea of winning a title, which they're, they're – it's title a bust for this team. It's, there's no in-between here. So – if that, if it doesn't work out and you don't get at least get to the finals, I'm not saying you got to win it, but at least, at least get to the finals with him playing part time, then you know again it'll be all completely all all on him. And they look at it like you know you put a you put your personal beliefs over the team, you know. So they, and I'm sure that will make people you know kind of raise their eyebrow and say that you know well if you got vaccinated we wouldn't have these problems, you know. So that you know you really could have. Uh, thought more of us as a as a whole, as a team, as a family, than your own personal beliefs, and got vaccinated. Because clearly, we're all vaccinated, and we're fine. You know, so whatever reasoning you have for not being vaccinated doesn't seem like it holds enough weight for us to squander the opportunity to win a title. So I'm gonna love to see how this plays out. I really am. You know, because like I said, but Kyrie is, you know, he waited them out, he caved in, and all of a sudden. You know, now we're at this moment where they're going to at least let them play away games. And and I'm here for it. <laughs> I really am because I'm so interested to see if this works. You know, because again, you know, just from a chemistry perspective, you only, got, you only can only truly allow him to play away games. That's, that's it's half the games. I mean, if that, I mean, like I said, and you, like, so you still X out Knicks games. And I think they, they play Knicks several times. X out Raptors games. So that's even more games. So you got even less of the half of the games that are left. I don't think we're like, Almost like about thirty games into this at this point, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a interesting business move. It really is, and I and I think they're trying to get ahead of it. You know, as far as uh trying to not overwork KD, because I think I think the, this is the really big point. I think they're trying to drive home and trying to get Kyrie back is that they don't want him to get overworked and get hurt. Because if I promise you this, if KD gets hurt, it's over. I don't give a shit if Kyrie. Or Harden plays and they play the best they played in their whole career. They're not winning the title without KD. Let's just keep it playing. So I, you know, smart is kudos to Sean Marks in the front office saying we need to get him back now because if KD logs all these minutes and it's in this incomplete and utter repetition of and and honestly, truly, if he's not on the floor, we don't win games. Period. So we can't let him take games off either. So we need to be able to let him get him, give him some rest. Let him take you know night off here and there. Let Kyrie play, especially on the away games and road trips and things like that, especially those long road trips, and allow for um, KD to be able to rest and not be injured. Because, I mean, let's be honest, he's he's a little brittle in in, 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 in certain regards too in the last four to five years. So you got to look at it from the totality of, uh, the, you know, I would say the big picture. I only use the word totality. I would say in the big picture of it all to say, hey, here we need, we at least we're getting pay, get, get our return on investment at least from a half, way perspective is let Kyrie play and let him play and earn his money rather than paying him $16 million of guarantee money. And he don't dribble the basketball that once. So let's see how it all plays out. Uh, so now let's talk about uh, my wretched Lakers. <laughs> and I might catch you for using the word wretched with some of my Laker fans out there, but you know, that was the word that came to my mind at the moment. It really was. I mean, it's a bunch of, Wait, a bunch of adjectives you can use 
could describe this team and none of them are good. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest here about it here. I mean, we're going to be honesty. Uh, you know, we're going to live in honesty in 2021, almost 2022. We're going to live in honesty. We're not a good team. Let's just put it play. Let's just put it play. So let's talk about it. So in, in as before we get into the topics I want to talk about with this Lakers team, and, and I guess it's a, uh, a somewhat of a brief Lakers locker room, you know, segment. The Lakers signed, I'd say, a Thomas to a 10-day contract, you know, and that was partly due to the hardship uh, rules and everybody going out for COVID, and we already had people injured. You know, we just got Trevor Reza back uh, two nights ago, but uh, none is still out, and you got a bunch of other people out in protocol and things of that nature, so they signed IT to a 10-day contract. Now, honestly, truly, I'm surprised at him. He's producing, um, but it's just, it's really getting overshadowed by, by the myriad of other issues that the Lakers have. Um, and truly, it, it's, let's, you know, let's just break it down in brass tacks. The, the Lakers are spiraling out like a troll. And nobody here, nobody is here to stop the downward freefall that they're in. They're going down at this particular point. Most, one of the most historic franchises in all of basketball in the current state of affairs is really going down, deep down, and uh, spiraling down a rabbit hole. And there seems to be no way out. So the latest and greatest news is that Anthony Davis went down with a yet another injury. He now has the MCL sprain that's going to put him out for at least a month to maybe six weeks. Who knows even longer? I mean, because with that Achilles in injury and issue, he stayed out way longer than they thought he was going to stay out. So we don't really know. We don't really know. But let's just let's just be honest here. Uh, you know, I, you know, so I mean, we need to be honest about several things. Let's be honest about we don't know his timeline. I mean. I would say four to six weeks at the minimum. I'll probably say six weeks at the minimum. It could be longer. It just depends. I, I, I got a lot of questions about his 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 character at, the, at this point. You know, I, I love the guy. I think he's a, a generational talent. But I just, I just, I, what bothers me, and it really gets underneath my skin as a sports uh, follower, as a sports comments, you know, analyst, I guess you can use that word, you know, from being a podcaster. It really gets underneath my skin where people have generational talent. They don't, they don't fulfill it, you know. And that's what I'm at with Anthony Davis right now. He has generational talent, but he's not fulfilling it, you know. And I, and, and him being on the Lakers really, 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 really gets underneath my skin because I'm like, dude, you know, if you were playing at a, anywhere between 85 to 90 percent to your potential, it, this team would be, you know, leaps and bounds above where it is right now. Now, just from you, if you just drove that train and played to your potential, then this team will be leaps and bounds better than it is right now. I would say, you know, any, any, anywhere around the three to four seed right now, you know, with LeBron starting to come back and be healthy and playing the way he's playing, you know, we can probably overshadow the idea of what Russell Westbrook is, is doing to this team. But if he would play, before he got hurt, if he was playing at the level of anywhere between 85 to 90% of his potential, you know, I ain't going to even take it to 100 you played to that level, then this team will be leaps and bounds better than it is right now. But, you know, clearly that's not happening. You know, and it's it's been it's been rough watching him play, uh, you know, in this particular stretch of games. It really has. Uh, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest here. Anthony Davis lacks self-awareness, or he just refuses to accept the fact that he's a power forward. You know, that's that's problem one. You know, he, he wants to be a guard or he's, he's, he might feel like he's a guard trapped in a big man's body. I mean, something like that. You know, it's, it's either, either he just refuses to allow himself to truly lean into the idea that he's a dominant post player. 
That's that's the biggest problem he has. You know, because you and you can see it in stretches in this game where he leans out towards the perimeter all the time. When and, and he can literally be dominating the below post area and he just won't don't want to stay there. He wants to leak out, he wants to shoot threes, he wants to leak out and shoot short jumpers. He wanna, you know, leak out and drive to the basketball, drive the basket, or pick and pop with pick and rolls, you know, action. It, it it's 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 rough. It's rough. I mean, and you're the the most dominant big you could literally be between you, Giannis, and B, y'all could be the most dominant big man in the league. And you can categorize it any way you want, but you're not playing to that essential. Giannis and Embiid are, you know, and there's no question about what, you know, even Jokic, I even throw Jokic in there. You know, but they're playing up to their potential. You're not. You're not. And that's just, a, that's a God's honest truth. It really is. Shout out to God, Minigah. That's the God honest truth. So I, I really, I really, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating to, to watch him, you know, waste time. And in and, and this identity crisis, that's what I'm gonna call it. He have an identity crisis of sorts, you know, where he's, like I said, he really don't want to lean into who he really is. You know, like I said, you're not a perimeter player, you're a power forward, you know, and you're a center in a small ball lineup. That's another issue, you know, and he refuses to embrace that. You know, that I, I underscored this the last time I talked about the Lakers news that he just don't want to embrace the idea of playing a five, you know, and your five is not a traditional five. You're not Shaq, you're not Kareem. You're not, you know, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. You're a small ball five, you know, which really is a power forward, you know, in, in a lot of regards. But, you know, you just, you just don't want to accept the fact that you're the only big man on the floor and you don't want to be a, be responsible for the five role because everybody knows that the unwritten rule of a five is that you're a rim protector, you know, and you give rebounds, you know, at a high clip. You know, you I mean, you do what Dwight Howard do, did in his prime on top of what you do offensively. Like you got, you do have to do both of those things. And he probably gets tired just thinking about that. So that's, that's the issue. You know, that's one of the issues, obviously. But, you know, again, like I said, he just refused to embrace it, you know. You know, and again, like I said, it's not traditional center role. It, it's, it's a center role by design or on paper, but you're not a true center. You're a power forward in a small ball lineup. Nothing wrong with that. You got three, four wing players in a power forward. Who, I, mean, I mean, come on. And let's be honest. You know, in, in that particular stretch, when you, and when you're playing that role, you know, he, he, that's where the Lakers actually been, been in a small microcosm, been flourishing. You know, I, you know, I just, I just don't understand why he, he doesn't want to lean into that and do what is best for the team. You know, I mean, you still get your numbers, you still get your touches, you still, everything's the same. You're just looking at it from a, uh, um, a cosmetic standpoint. That's the word. Looking from a cosmetic standpoint and think that you're, you know, people are classified as a center. Who gives a shit? Seriously. Who cares? You still are dominant. You still playing good ball. Your team is winning. But the most important thing should be the team is winning. So who cares whether or not you play the center position? Air quote. Yes. But nonetheless, he's out again. And this investment that Lakers made in him being the future of the franchise is starting to look sour. Honestly, truly, it really is. Um, I'm just not sure exactly what it's going to mean going forward. I mean, I mean, I don't. We we'll, we have to address it when he gets back. I mean, we want to wait a month. Or more. I mean, you probably you probably be out past All Star break at this point. I mean, we're looking end of December. They said four weeks. That's the end of January. Six weeks is All Star break practically. So he'll probably sit out to the extra after the All Star break. So he had the back half of the season to get right, you know, and he got to work himself back into shape. Which not sure he was in that big of a that you know he was not great of a shape to begin with. I'm not sure. I really can't tell, you know. But Ben he was a far cry from what he was in in New Orleans outside of the bubble 
uh, performance that he had. That was a smaller performance. It wasn't a full. He's not. Ha- he's not had a full NBA season, eighty-two games with the Lakers healthy. He has yet to do that. Yet to do that. And like I said, and then I'm and I'm. I would kind of turning my, you know, turning my back to the idea of people saying that the 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 pandemic and the bubble uh, time off gave him, you know, life, which is it, it really is true at this point. I I can't even deny it anymore. The idea of him taking that time off between the court towards the end of the regular season and the, and the pandemic hitting in March, and then he had to wait till August to play again. He had to, all that time off gave gave his body time to rest and heal, and he was able to be fresh, you know. But he, again, you know, you shouldn't have that luxury, you know, when you're playing in a regular season, normal eighty-two game season. But you know, but now injuries is are, are robbing him of that or giving him that time off, you know. But yet again, you're not playing basketball; you're not able to shoot. You know, you got walking over the spring, you're not able to shoot a basketball and get in shape, stay in shape and run and exercise and strengthen your body. You're rehabbing. So I don't, uh, I don't have a good feeling. I really don't. But, you know, stranger things happen. And I hope that he comes back better than he left because it, it wasn't going to get much worse based on how he was playing. You know, the percentage he was shooting from three in the field and the numbers he was putting up is just, it's it's really rough to see, knowing how good he can be. That's the problem. Knowing how good he can be and knowing what he was putting on on the on the court up to this juncture was just sad. You know, and that should be frustrating to his other teammates. It really be should be, especially LeBron. But we'll see what happens, what happens when he come back. So you know. Let's talk about the next uh set of problems or disaster of the idea uh of Russell Westbrook working on with this team. I I just I've been on I've been on this particular topic for months. You know, I should have pulled the clip for that as well. Me talking about this and nauseam about how this doesn't work. And the moment they made the trade, I was I was sick to my stomach. I really was. Because I just knew that Russell Westbrook was not going to work with this team. And I'm I'm just trying to figure out who can who he convinced to say that it was going to work. I just I don't want to know who it was. Who did you hold, you know, to gunpoint or or ransom or, or threaten to expose them for something, you know, tell you, tell their wives that you know about their side chicks that allow you to be signed or traded for it, you know, to be on the Lakers. I, I'm, 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 I want to know. I really want to know. I may not ever find out, but that's what I feel like. It was, it was a, it was a, I was almost like a hostage situation in, in, in the terms of your, uh, 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 releasing your hostages was you were allowed to be traded to the Lakers. You know, I understand his friend was LeBron, but you know, the friendships is, I mean, come on. Now. I mean, I mean, LeBron, it, there's no way he could have thought. Based on how Russ plays, this is going to work. I, I just didn't see it. It is it, it's, it's so much you could. I feel like it's, I mean I don't know what you made exhausted all your issues. You know, exhausted all your uh, like resources when it came out of trading. You know, the three that you traded for Russell Westbrook. You may have exhausted every facet that nobody wanted to take the bait except for the Wizards, who would probably were glad to get rid of them. But I just feel like we could. I, I would much rather have KCP Kuzma and and, and Montrez back. Very then Russell Westbrook at this point. I really would. I really would. Uh that for and that forty four million dollars. Uh but let's but let's uh let's uh let's 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 bring it let's bring it let's bring it down to you know brass uh let's bring Brandon Brass Stacks, my favorite term at the moment. Like I said, he's killing the chance of the team being relevant. I mean, I'm not even talking about contender at this point. I'm talking about just relevant and competing with teams, better better teams nightly. You know, it's not looking good. It really isn't. I mean, and and you know, decide to segue a little bit. 
what, what makes it worse for me is that this is the play against Buddy Hell, the play against DeMar DeRozan, and all and and all of the players that we traded away, Caruso, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, KCP, Kuzma, and even Dennis Schroeder's doing better for himself at this point. And that's saying something. Because everybody ostracized Schroeder. You know, but he's even doing better in Boston than he than the Lakers are doing right now. You know, which is sad, you know, it's it really is truly sad. You know, in the team, like I said, the team can be good, but it's held back, you know, nightly by uh by by the turnover Mighty Mouse. That's what I call him. <laughs> He's a turnover Mighty Mouse. Because if you if you if you're familiar with Mighty Mouse as a cartoon character, he was a super strong, super athletic, you know, fast, you know, superhero. But had the ability to turn the basketball over nightly. That's what he is, you know. So between the turnover Mighty Mouse. And the brittle big man, the Lakers are in peril right now. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, yeah, I mean, and and, and and that's why I get get frustrated because you were, you saw what Russ was in OKC, in Houston, in Washington. You saw who he was. He never changed. And you thought that particular formula was going to work in LA. That's, that's, Really, really beating your head against the rock and specking you not to bleed. That's really what it is. It's really what it is. And I knew it from the gate, from the gate. But yet again, I'm not making any decisions in the front office. I knew it from the gate. But if I could have had a word with Rob Palenka and Jenny Buss before they made the trade, I'd be like, "Look, yeah, I know who this guy is. And no matter who you bring in, because at this point, when you made the trade, there was nobody on his roster. Like you literally traded away the three pieces. That only, only all, those three pieces were only the pieces that were still on the contract." You know, Harold had a player option that you can exercise or trade, right? KCP was on the contract. So was Kuzma. There's only three, only people that were on the contract. You traded those three people away. They still had nobody in the roster. So it literally was just Russ, uh, AD, and Braun. So no matter who you put around the team, those three guys at, after that, it wasn't going to work. Because those three alone don't work. So anything you, you add on to that, you know, it's like putting bad ingredients in the beginning of the pot. So no matter what you do to put it on top of that, it's just never going to be good because everything in the bottom is bad. So it was never going to work. Never going to work. So here we are. So so you, you want to ask a question? Let's ask this question. How can you fix it? Or can it be fixed? You know, and I'm not, I'm sure, I'm not sure. You know, because I really feel like the Lakers drew the ugly straw when it comes down to well, what the reality is or what the pieces that you could move. You know, AD is hurt. And even though... You know, if he comes back, he, if he play, you know, he's, you know, he has a high price tag and a terrible injury history, you know. So, and at this, at this point, if you trade him, I'm just, I'm just dealing in rumors that people are throwing around. You know, there's rumors right there that the Lakers could trade AD, which I think is a bad move. I don't think you should trade him. You know, I would trade Russell Westbrook before I trade AD. But the rumors are out there, so I'm going to address them. So if you trade, you know, so, but you got to look at it from a, a marketing perspective. He's hurt now. He comes back, you got to, you got to, it's almost like a wait and see thing. And also got to look at it like this. He's coming back and the trade deadline will be fastly approaching by the time he comes back. So you really don't have a, an idea truly of what he's going to be when he comes back because the trade deadline will be coming on by the time he actually touched the floor again, most likely, you know, then by my timeline. So, but yet again, I think it's a bad idea to trade him in his own right. But if you were trying to trade him, he has a high price tag, he's terrible injury history. And like I said, you lack the ability to be, I have a rim protector in a small ball five. Um, they can play actually play offense if you trade them, you know, because Dwight Howard and and and, and DeAndre Jordan ain't getting it done offensively. They're just not. Never been big offensive guys in the first place, and they're really not definitely not that now in their advanced age. So, 
Bad idea. Bad idea. So, but again, the, the real estate, you know, it, you know, the, the listing on the house. When you go see the house, you know, it's not, you know, you know, the the, the war, windows need replacing. You know, the water is is just hard. You know, you you got the plum, you got plumbing issues. You know, you got appliances are old. <laughs> You're looking at like I don't know. I can't pay full market value for this house. You know, give it some little discount and I fix it up maybe. But I can't pay full market value for this house. So that's what you're looking at when you talk about trading AD at this point. And now we talk about Russ. Russ is even worse than that. You know, he makes even more money than AD, about almost nine million more. I think AD makes around about thirty-five million dollars, and Russ makes forty-four. So you got that issue. You know, and every GM in the league at this point. You know, again, like I said, they literally drew the ugly straw of 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 where at, at what point you got these players. Because Russ has bounced around so much and GMs are watching this and saying that, do I really want to do this? I said, like I said, every GM in the league is seeing what us Lakers fans are seeing as a, and that's a hyperactive slashing mediocre shot making turnover prone point guard. That's what they're saying. And do I really, really want to uh, invest $44 million against my cap for that? <laughs> I doubt it. Highly doubt it. Highly doubt any GM in the league would would be unless you're completely totally desperate or in a volatile situation with a player like the 76 and the Pacers might be with their players who want out, you know. But I mean, but yet again, this still probably gives them pause. I even read a post the other day that said that Daryl Moyer wasn't really interested in trading Ben Simmons for Russell Westbrook, you know. Whether that's true or not, you know, it was it was a third party story. But regardless of that, if Daryl Moyer is balking on the idea of trading for Russell Westbrook. I'm sh- and that's in and we don't know what Ben Simmons is outside of a good defensive player, you know we don't know who he is, you know it's like you trading a problem child for another problem child. I'm probably sure Daryl Moore the only one bother with that. He rather let Ben Simmons send him a mission not pay him even and pay him and not him let him play, <laughs> you know. So so I mean unless the Pacers get desperate, I don't see anything remotely you know anybody remotely considering the idea of trading for Russell Westbrook either because again, you know <laughs> this is. You know, if AD's windows and plumbing and all that stuff is 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 old, uh, it's yeah, shutters are falling apart when it comes down to Russell Westbrook. You walk up and outside it looking bad. You know, at least AD's house on the outside looks pretty good. You know, but but Russell Westbrook's house on the outside looks bad and his inside looks bad. It's a complete fixer upper, and I'm not sure you got the money to fix it because it's been like that for thirty for for what? How long has been in the league? 10, 12 years. <laughs> you know, that house been rickety for that long. And I don't think that nobody is going to be able to fix it up to the point where they're going to make it look like a modern house. You just want to want to tear it down and build another one. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just, we're just, that's just what it is. That's just what it is. So if people really truly feel that way, I really feel like the Lakers could really honestly truly be stuck in purgatory for a year or two. I mean, unless Jeannie and Rob figure somehow figure out a way to finesse a trade. They've done it before. The bus family and Rob have finessed trades before. I'm not going to count them out, but I'm here to tell you, if they can't do that, the Lakers will, you know, just based upon the fact they have LeBron James, they'll probably hover around the seven or eight seed in the West. But that's probably the best you can look for. I'm sorry, Lakers fans, but that's pretty much where we're at. So, you know, that's 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 the whole that's the whole that's the whole thing in a nutshell. It really is. You know, AD is brittle. Uh, he stays hurt, and he's going to be gone for a four to six week stretch. Um. You know, it'd be interesting to see how this team competes with, you know, finally getting a reason back and getting none, hopefully. Um, I don't think we'll keep IT or not. I mean, he's definitely been an offensive, been good offense for the team. 
you know, but we you don't we really weren't struggling like that in offensively. We were struggling defensively. That was another problem. So I don't know. You know, we're not gonna sit here and act like this gonna magically change with Ariza coming back. Now Ariza still can play defense. I did see that uh the other night. But outside of that, I'm not we need somebody to play some defense, you know, or 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 this team figures out as a whole that they need to step up their effort. Because outside of that, again, like I said, they're going to be a seven eight seed if that if they make the playoffs at all, and that's that's terrible. You know, being two years, two seasons removed at this point, or season removed from winning a title, you can't fall that fast, especially with main, with the same uh, two players, the two big time players that you had, the one two one a one b that you had winning a title. Can't fall a hard that hard that fast, but it's possible that we're here at this point. So we'll see. We will see. All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about COVID and uh, how it's uh, affecting the uh, NBA. Um, it, it's definitely a cause for big time concern, and and I really feel like this is really um, telling uh, for the NBA, or really more of an issue for the NBA because this it seems like I mean I'm not a doctor here, not a not a uh, epidemiologist or anything, anybody that's an uh, uh, expert in um, quote unquote, uh, pandemics and viruses. Right. But this seems to me is that this, this variant, uh, is highly troubling and highly contagious and it's spreading like a wildfire over the entire country. And we feel like, I feel like just a week ago, we were had our first case of it. And then now all of a sudden everybody and their mom is coming down with it literally. So, um, and the NBA, unlike the NFL, isn't winding down their season. I mean, NFL is, they got they got three weeks left, three four weeks left of the regular season, then they got the playoffs, which which should slow down its uh, spread because the everybody's not playing. You only got you go down from thirty two to fourteen teams, so and it'll dwindle week by week, you know, because people won't, some team will advance, some team will go home, you know. So, you know, you have that, but literally not even halfway through the NBA season, and this is uh, literally getting out of hand. It's it's spiking all over the place and teams are largely affected by this. And I really don't see it getting any better. It could get worse before it gets better. And you have that, you have the idea too of people kind of huddling around. This is Christmas week. Um, you got people go huddling around their families and things of that nature, uh, much like they did for uh, Thanksgiving. So I think between the Thanksgiving, you know, air quote surge, I hate to call it that, but a little bit of a surge in cases because of Thanksgiving gatherings and, and the variant, it was like it was just really a a a cocktail of 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 evil proportions, and that's really where we're at with this this outbreak. You know, and I hate to use word outbreak too, but it's just it's just the truth. Uh, a lot of people are coming down with it. Um, so you know, and I always give the NBA credit for being very uh, judicious in in how they address things and being um, proactive as much as they possibly can. Um, but the question you base the question of what do they do? Uh, when it comes down to uh, trying to get, trying to address this and try to uh, taper down the idea of it spreading, you know, uh, you know, Coach Curry and I throw out some ideas on sports talk um, that they could, uh, you know, limit the travel, um, you know, and uh, kind of, I don't want to say quarantine them, you know, and things of that nature in certain, you know, certain stretches, um, you know, but definitely ramp up uh, safety measures for sure. You know, mask at all times now again. Um, also, throughout the idea of maybe ter- turning down the, the amount of fans you have. I mean, I'm seeing uh, arenas night in and night out packed to, packed to the roof. 
you know so maybe you know you need to you know start spreading people out in arenas because it's it's not like a football stadium where you're outside in some regards you're indoors you know so that you really just cycling that air back and forth you know with people with a packed arena and i think that's that's it's a literally a, a petri dish of spreading this virus so i would think that maybe you know one you could you know scale back the fan interaction um you know and not you know limit the capacity you know if you got if you if you got a thirty thousand seat capacity arena, maybe cut it down to fifteen at night. You know, um, you know, only sell a certain amount of tickets. Um, you know, have them spread out. Don't let people sit next to next to each other unless they're couples. You know, you know, stuff like that. You know, let couples sit. You know, but you spread. You you know, you if people buy tickets in you know in a group of two, you let them sit together. But you anybody that's not in that group, they sit away from each other. You know, something like that. Spread people out in arenas. You know, limit the amount of people that's coming in and out. Um, I'm not saying go all the way back completely, no fans, but it's an option, even for a short period of time, you could do that. Um, just to kind of get it, you can't kind of get ahead of, uh, the spread, um, do that. Like I said, mandates, lesson travel, um, kind of tweak the schedule, massage the schedule around, um, you know, you know, road trips and things of that nature. Um, you know, let, you know, don't let them spend as much time at airports and, and on planes and things of that nature, you know, that could help. You know, but um, you know, rigorous testing, obviously. But um, you know, doing all those things, I mean, you got to figure out something because if you let it spiral, it will. You get to the point where you're postponing multiple games, and people are constantly on the list. And you know, you don't one, you don't. If you do have a game, you don't have a good product because most people aren't um playing with their uh notable players. You know, things of that nature. I mean, like take KD's incident of uh, a week or so ago where he had to play with four rookies starting. It was him or four rookies, you know. So I don't imagine he had a triple double when they won the game, but you know, I'm sure people wanted to see the starters, not necessarily the rookies. You know, that they, they were they bought tickets. So the amount of you know the type of product you put on the court is one thing. The the next thing will be at the cancel games or re, or reschedule games and things of that nature. Like they had to put the Bulls on a week quarantine. They couldn't play a game for a week. You know, the first game you know was the game on uh, Sunday against the uh, against the Lakers. You know, for in a week. So that you know, again, it's, it's it's really it's really telling uh, exactly what will happen if you don't get a, get in front of this. And so, I'm just hoping that um, you know maybe you know some guys can get boosters here soon. That will help you know as well. They saying uh, a couple of uh, uh, government officials and doctors are saying that uh, the booster is helping a little bit with the combat you know combating the uh, the new variant. So. You know, hopefully that you know they can maybe get people get to get you know, convince them to get the boosters and things like that. And that will help it as well, um, if you're eligible. I think because you have to wait like six months in between to get it. So if you got vaccinated to start the season, you got to wait. But you know, but as soon as it's available, they could do that. But again, that might be a long term play. But um, yeah, but you know, my recommendation is they got to do something. You know, because putting you got to put on games, you know, on a nightly basis, and you know, you want to put on a, a good showing. It's one thing to have one or two guys out here and there, but you have. You know, most of you know, it's almost like a G League game where you got people that all the no names are playing each other. Nobody wants to watch that. And the ratings will be horrible on TV if you want, if they had to be something like that. You know, schedule game on TV that was like that. You know, so so hopefully the NBA, you know, I have trust and faith in them. So, you know, hopefully they won't uh, disappoint and they'll come through with uh, some new and uh, an interesting, uh, you know, ways to combat this particular spread because cause they got to deal with it much longer than the NFL does in, in every night and more people, but not more people, but at a more consistent basis. They're literally dealing with it every single day, every single day, because you, somebody's playing every night. There's no games, there's no days where there's no games. 
you know, and they got a Christmas schedule coming up here soon and, and all that good stuff. So hopefully they can get ahead of it and hope they can get, a, get, get ahead of it soon. All right, so that's going to wrap up who's in the news in the NBA. Let's move over to NFL headlines. This is the Lockdown Davis Podcast. And we are back with NFL Headlines. This is the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh, man, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> if you haven't heard us talk about it on Sports Talk, and like I said, that replay goes live each and every uh, Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, on all platforms. If you haven't heard us talk about it in depth, <laughs> Urban Meyer was fired. And I talked about this last week on my podcast, if you checked it out last week, about uh, you know what the solution will ultimately be. I just want to prepare for it to happen as fast. But um, but it seems to me that the whole the whole idea, uh, of or the story that broke in regards to him kicking Josh Lambeau at some point, uh, was the basically the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, it was just the dad, the Jaguars just getting too much bad press. They had to cut bait. They had to cut bait. You know, the story after the story, and you know, trip up after trip up, um, of uh, Urban Meyer's um, thirteen game tenure as the head coach of the Jaguars. So he's gone. Uh, their uh, interim coach, um, name is skipping me right now, but uh, they have an interim coach. Obviously, um, you know, likely most be there once the season's over. Um, but you know, they have an interim coach, and they yet they dropped yet another game, so it didn't really matter. Um, you know, because I always talk about the idea of them firing coaches. I think I talked about this last week. As a matter of fact, uh, how once you get an interim coach, at least that first week, they play inspired football. Um, and they, you know, they typically win their first game and then it's pretty much downhill from there, but you know, either Jags are just that bad or, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for them because they couldn't pull out a victory, uh, 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 this past Sunday. So, you know, they yet again, lose another one, but, um, yeah, um, uh, you know, we can go down the list of, of, of reasons why you should have been, should be fired. We recapped this last week, actually, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but, you know, it's just uh, I, I said it. I said it before. I said it, and it's worth saying it again. You know, had he not been who he was to the state of Florida, he'd have been fired way before week thirteen. Honestly, surely he just made too many mistakes, and he really, you know, him. You know, and I'm finding I'm finding that a lot of people here and now lately that I've been talking about that have had issues, or I've had issues with, have really had an issue with self awareness, or or understanding what your what your role is. Uh, you know, I talk about this about AD in, in, in the NBA segment. You know, you just lack the idea of self awareness because uh, it, it's not, it's public knowledge. It's not a secret that you know how you conduct yourself as an NFL coach is, is vastly different than how you conduct yourself as a college coach. And Urban didn't get that memo. Why he didn't, I don't understand. It's very much out there. Like if you watch anybody that's noteworthy from a, a, a national sports analyst perspective. You know, anybody on, you know, any national syndicated radio show, they'll, they'll, they've talked about, I've heard them talk about at some point when it come down to discussing what makes a good NFL coach and what doesn't and how college coaches ultimately fail. I mean, you got a long laundry list of, of people that failed and why they failed. You know, Saban, Petrino, Spurrier, uh, Holtz, you know, 
countless others college coaches who had really good resumes in college. They ultimately fell in the NFL because of what? Because they don't know how to translate their thought process and their thinking and their uh, leadership skills into the in, in, in NFL. They don't. Because you're dealing with college, you know, young men versus grown men, you know. And they have just the same many, just as many problems as you do. I have the same concerns, the same uh, mindset as you do and how you attack life. So you have to treat people on a certain level. You have to keep them on a certain level. You can't talk down to them. You know, you can't treat them like little kids. You can't act like you control every aspect of their lives. You know, that things of that nature. These guys make multi-million dollars, you know, in 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 a certain time, in certain regards in, in days. Make millions of dollars in a day in a day or two. You know, these guys make more money than you in certain facets. So you gotta uh it's a different dynamic. It really is. And Urban didn't get that memo. I mean, amongst other things. You know, I think he his his authoritative totalitarian mindset um and how he put conducted himself in college, he thought that really that was gonna work in in the family and it doesn't. And like I said, that's that's completely and utterly his fault because you had to understand, you know, and this and this goes to the idea of learning from your predecessors, learning from other people's mistakes versus your own. If you knew what how all the other ones failed, you should have known that either, you know, if you you should have known that that wasn't gonna work uh in Jacksonville. You should have known that. I don't care how young the team was or is or will be. It, it was never going to work because no matter what, these young men that get drafted as young players are going to ultimately truly become, you know, give have a professional mindset. They're not going to be college kids anymore. And they're going to realize that their, um, their uh, worth is different. You know, you know, you're not just going to talk to me in all kind of way. You know, I'm a man just like you, you know, and I'm some, and I'm sorry to tell you this, but urban, but college kids only took your crap because they had to. You know, they had a choice, you know, whether, you know, because they knew that they, if they got to Brody with you, you they'd be off the team and they, they'll lose their shot, you know, or become a a, a, a media story and, and they have negative press on them, you know, when they're trying to make it to the league. But once you establish yourself in the league, psh, you know, that all that goes out the door. It really does. It really does. You know, so between his mindset and his decision making, you know, it was just very, very uh, questionable. You know, from the time he hired that that uh, Iowa coach who had racist past history, uh, to trying to put Tim Tebow on the team some kind of way, you know, just just personnel decisions, you know, letting people go that should have been there. I really feel like I'm sorry to tell you this, you know, again, you know, the, the idea, you know, if you're winning games, I feel like feel like trading Joe Schobert and C.J. Henderson was complete utter, you know, clearly the Steelers and, and the Carolina Panthers cashed in. But it was a complete and utterly horrible move, and you probably could have won a game or two um, by having them on your defense more. The more the game or two more, having them on your defense than not. But that goes back to my point that I spoke to talk about um, in Sports Talk, that he he literally got rid of anybody that, that bucked the system, you know, or bucked back at him. Let me put it that way. Anybody that bucked back at him or barked back at him uh, when he talked to them in any old kind of way was ostracized. <laughs> They were given a quick exit and traded for virtually nothing. That's why I didn't, I kind of scratched my head, you know, now it makes sense now, but I kind of scratched my head at the idea of trading either one of them. Because Schober just shined in the free agency deal in the, in all season. He got there, was there a few weeks and he got traded right before the season started. And, and I mean, come on, look, look at his numbers at Steelers. It's clearly not his play. He can, you know, he can play inside linebacker. I'm sorry, sir. And I'm sure he could have helped Miles Jack out a lot in, in, in the interior of that defense. So, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. 
you know, CJ Henderson athletically and and just you know from a, a instinctual instinctual perspective is one of the best young corners out there. And you trade him because you, you had two booking corners. You had him and Shaq Griffin. You trade one of them for what? You know, but again, that goes back to the move that he was. You're going to trade him and get rid of him while you could for a young college kids that you can control. Air quote control. You got draft picks for Schobert and uh, and Henderson, and you're going to turn that into college kids that you think they were going to do your bidding. We <laughs> totally utter de- defeating mindset. Like you, he defeated himself before he walked in the door by thinking that he, that was going to work. He really did. He really did. I don't. And I just don't really get the idea of um, him not understanding what worked and what doesn't. You know, I mean, I I'm sorry. I mean, again, you know, I've never coached at the, at the, at the collegiate or, or, or pro level, but, you know, I played there, you know, in the collegiate level, but I've never coached there. But, uh, you know, I, I know one thing to be true, regardless of what you uh, are trying to accomplish in life, that it's it will behoove you to not make the same mistakes that other people did in the past. In, in, the, in the role that you're trying to achieve, you're trying to flourish in. And he does exactly what he did. Learn from the mistakes of your of your own self and others. You know, uh, and a wise man learns, you know, you know, you know, not to make the mistakes of others, not trip over the same ropes that other people have in the past. You know, smart people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. You know, that's just fact. And everybody did neither one of those things. You know, then the, whole, the idea of the whole scandal with it, with this woman in the bar <laughs> sent the team back on their own, didn't travel back with him. He got did thought into the club. It's just an embarrassment uh, of uh, mistakes. Just a, a ball of mistakes that he just wove himself into and and just couldn't get out of it. Couldn't get out of it. So he's gone. They had in-room coach, and I'm sure they're on a hunt for a new coach at this point. Um, and my advice is this is that hire a professional NFL coach. Like, don't go out for the new, you know, don't go out and try to convince Lincoln Ryder. Of course, Lincoln Ryder won't go because he just hired, got hired at USC. But don't go after anybody with that that ilk at this moment, you know, because you don't want to constantly completely spin your wheels with college coaches and, and young coaches and new innovative coaches where you honestly and truly have a lot of work to do when it comes down to this roster. And, in the culture in Jacksonville, period. I mean, they honestly and truly they haven't had a good culture, a decent culture since your uh, Mark Brunel and Brian Leftwich days. So you got a lot of work to do. You gotta, you gotta rebuild the culture. You gotta rebuild the roster. You gotta instill some values into these players. So I find you a leader, a professional, somebody that will walk in the room and automatically garner the respect of the room. That's what, that's what you should do in your next move. If you don't do that, then you'll just be keep spinning your wheels and wasting people's time and will be literally wallowing in the idea of mediocrity for years to come. Now, because this is the most, this is really key and, real, and really important at this moment. Be at a crossroads because you know, most people would say, although he's struggling mightily right now, and you know, it just could be, could just could be his first year. Um, you know, he'll, and he'll, you know, you know, slowly, surely get better. But you ha- you can't squander the, the, the formidable developmental years of, of Trevor Lawrence. You can't. You can't do it. So what you have to do is find yourself a leader, you know, a leader that, that can galvanize the troops, get them ready, get them focused, get them disciplined, 
you know, to play uh, NFL professional football, right? And then th- have them be intelligent enough to hire the right coaches around them that will aid and and facilitate the process along the way. You know, hire somebody that's a leader, and he's going to put coordinators and business coaches around him that's going to allow the development of these young players and the people you bring in. You know, with there's a lot of cap money that you got coming up and the, the high draft picks you're going to have, you want to be able to hone in and harness though that talent and build a better franchise. You know, so that's 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 the next move that you have to accomplish, Shah Khan in front office. You have to do that. You have to do that. So whoever that guy is, he has to be, you know, really truly dug in on being a NFL leader and not a college. Um, I don't want to use the word gimmick guy or 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 um you know, analytics guru or anything like that. He just, you know, and don't have any real NFL experience. You know, somebody that's truly, when when they walk, you know, this is this is the telling moment. You know, and this is always where you can tell you got a good coaching hire. When they walk into the room, you interview them, and when they leave, you're saying, don't let him leave the facility. We have to hire him now. Make them, make them, make you want them. That's the coach is going to make you want them. You know, not just you, the coach you want, you didn't, they're not going to walk in and feel like they need you. You're going to feel like you need them. You don't let those people walk. You know, those people change the culture. So that's what the Jags need to do. And hopefully, for Trevor Lawrence's sake and the young people that's playing on that team, hopefully for their sake, that they'll do that. So we'll see exactly how that shakes out. So let's move over to, uh, let's talk about COVID in the NFL. Uh, we talked about it early on in the NBA segment about uh, what how it's affecting uh, the NBA and how much of an issue is going to be uh, down the road because we're only um, in the infancy of the winter and the season is only a third of the way through. So, but you know, for the NFL's perspective, they're in the home stretch. You know, three four weeks left. You got to you know, two games tonight, um, but that'll be the end of week uh, fifteen. So you got three weeks left. Um, Three games left for each team, and then you got the playoffs. Which in the, in the string and the teams and the amount of people that's affected by this will, will go down, you know, by half. Um, so you know, give or take. But you know, so you know, a little less than half. So you know what? So what does this mean? You know, as far as the outbreak is concerned for the NFL. You know, you got you know multiple people, you know, out with COVID. You know, from a notable perspective. I mean, people have become in and out. I mean, hell, that's the reason why we had. Uh, reschedule games for uh, last night and today. You know that's 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 an issue. I mean, I mean, just speaking uh, on on just what happened in the past twenty four hours. You know, Travis Kelsey went on the list. Uh, Travarius Ward, Harrison Bucker uh, for the Chargers. Joey Bosa, who's unvaccinated. Uh, Austin Eckler, Corey Lindsley, uh, Brandon Scherf for the Red, for the Washington Football Team. Uh, Jared Goff uh, went on. Baker Mayfield, and Case Keenum, and Jake Davion Conley never got off the list from the weekend. Um, to play in the Browns game last night, um, you know, so it, it's rough. It's rough out here, and that's just the, the notable names. I mean, we we can list, we can spend all day talking about exactly who, you know, it is. But it's they literally had, I want to say it was about forty some odd cases. Um, and I've read it about uh, late evening on Monday. Um, in one day, they had another forty cases in one day, and that was the highest number in one day of positive tests. This isn't close contact. This is positive COVID tests. So uh, it's 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 a it's a big time moment. I mean, it really is. It really is a a moment where you have to get a get in is 
become more as proactive as you can or reactive as you can to combat it. Uh, because again, you know, you this will literally a shift dynamic of all the games because they did, you know, break down and decide they were going to reschedule games. But are you going to be doing that for the next three weeks? And potentially because people are, are truly and utterly going to keep coming down with it in certain facets. And the more they come in contact with people when they play games, I feel like the outbreak always happens. I can't use that word, but that's it's, 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 that's what it happens to be. The the rash of cases happen after people play games, interacting with fans, interacting with players. And on the score, this last minute podcast that when you're playing a football game, you are flying back and forth with sweat and all kind of body fluids back and forth on each play. So the idea of you, you know, for somebody being, you know, they have it and they passing it, it just gets completely, utterly thrown around the field all day, all day. So it, it's a rough moment. It's a rough moment. Um, you know, like I said, you talking about the players that just recently came down with COVID and, you know, um, and people are still in protocol. Um, the Rams are having a bit of a makeshift roster coming into this game with the Seahawks uh, tonight. So that's, a, that's an issue. I think most of the people came off that are notable. I think Janet Rabbs is finally off. Darrell Henderson and a few others. So they got their big names back, you know, for the most part. But, I mean, that's only because the game got rescheduled. Had they had to play over the weekend, they would have had nobody, which they probably would have likely lost the game. Look at the Browns. Browns had no quarterback, and they lost the game. And the last single field goal, but yet again, they still lost. And that pushed them back in, in, in the playoff chances. You know, and I guess, like I said this, I said it last week, I'll say it again. You can't have this affect you now because one game could mean into the playoffs and out of the playoffs. It's a tight race, you know, from top to bottom. You know, it's literally one through seven, all within striking distance of each other, you know, with the three games to play. So, got to do something. Got to do something. Um, you know, I guess when you look at it from a protocol perspective, you know, I think you underscore a lot of the things that I said about the NBA, more masks, more regular testing, things of that nature. Um, vaccinated people, I did hear this, that vaccinated people will be you know, I think that if you're vaccinated, I think you only have to do a one negative test, you know, um, within 24 hours of the game to be eligible. So they did tweak, it, tweak this policy a little bit, but, you know, to kind of get people back quicker off the list, um, you know, so people will be more eligible to play, you know, week to week. And especially if they're asymptomatic, if you're symptomatic, then you can't play. But if you're asymptomatic and you test negative, you know, one time, I believe you're allowed to play versus, you know, two times in 24 hours or two times 48 hours, something crazy like that. So... They did do that. They are pivoting, but um, but they got to be strenuous with sanitizing. I think they need to go back to really truly sanitizing things in the facility, masking the facility completely. Everybody got to wear masks. Everybody social distance. Do more virtual uh, uh, meetings and things of that nature, even for vaccinated people. Um, but I, you know, I think they got to do. We got to get really, really tight knit with this uh, with these uh, uh, protocols because if you don't. You know, it really could be a mess of, of, of a schedule for the next three weeks. It really could be, you know. So, you know, if you want to be able to have things status quo, everybody get the same equal amount of rest. Everybody get the same amount of time off and things of that nature. And so you don't have any injuries and things of that nature. You know, recovery time is, is, is standard status quo. You want to have all those things in place, you know, because all those things matter week to week for NFL players, especially later in the season. You know, so uh, got to look out for that. Gotta look out for that. But there's one key point I want to drive home with the when it comes down to the NFL, especially right now. Because I'm I'm noticing, you know, and this started with Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And uh, you know, he uh honestly truly like they, they yesterday they clinched the uh the playoffs and clinched their division uh this past weekend, but um, you know, and tr- honestly and truly he cost him t- his team a game, you know. Um 
when they had to play the Chiefs with Jordan Love. It, it, he really cost them a game because he was not out there. Um, because he came down unvaccinated, came down with COVID. He had to sit out for 10 days. So, uh, you know, now I guess luck, unlucky, but lucky for the, for the Packers that was earlier on in the season. So now we get to the moment and I'm, I'm hearing rumblings that, um, teammates are having issues with their unvaccinated teammates too. And it started to come a little bit of decision in, in locker rooms because of this, uh, you know, you have unvaccinated players in your locker room now and, um, it's not, and it's twofold for people that are vaccinated um, in the team's perspective now. Because if you do, uh, as an unvaccinated person, come down with COVID, symptomatic or not, asymptomatic or not, or symptomatic, you have to set up 10 days. You know, and that's, that could be a game, a game and a half. It depends. I mean, and who knows? Because 10 days could ultimately mean uh, two games based upon how the schedule is being shifted around. So if you have to play two games in 10 days and your person comes down with COVID as an unvaccinated person, they're gone for two days. They're gone for two games. And think about it, like, you know, and I'm going to speak about this in Joey Bosa's perspective. He's unvaccinated. I love Joey, but I would just shake my head by the fact that he's unvaccinated. And most of his team is. Because he came down with a positive test in COVID this past uh, uh, Monday, and he's gone for 10 days. You know, Um which probably because they play Thursday and don't play against a Sunday will cost them maybe one game. Um, ultimately, assuming he's, uh, his symptoms aren't, you know, have any symptoms, you know, between here and uh, his 10 days up. Uh, but, and he, you know, he comes back after the uh, Texans game. But you are literally, you know, I think they're kind of lucky by having to play the Texans versus saying playing the Chiefs or a good, really good team, even the Broncos, because the Broncos beat the Chargers last time. You know, you really are costing your team chances here really are and that goes for everybody that's unvaccinated cole beasley comes to mind you know if you are out for 10 days and you have two games within 10 day period you gotta play on a thursday then turn around and play on a sunday when that's you know with a 10 day span and they can't play for that long for that time frame and you're not out there and your production could ultimately win or lose you the game that's completely utterly detrimental to the team is really Really selfish of players. And I, I've talked about this in length before, and I'll say it again. It's selfish of a player to not be vaccinated at this point because you are literally could be sitting for two games. In two games, if your production would have ultimately propelled the team to winning the game, like, like Joey Bosa's perspective or Cole Beasley's perspective, you know, if your production could have cost, it could ultimately win or lose your team's games because it's a tight game. And you could, if you were out there, you could have affected the game practically. Had the sack or caught a uh, a key pass or key touchdown, and those those teams lose those two games, they could be sent home for the for the playoffs, and it really could truly be put on your shoulders because you were not out there. So, I really believe that I could just really shake my head, and I really would understand the teammates that have that are vaccinated in the locker room that have issue with people that are vaccinated and they're not out there. They're not out there. You know, harking back, if you remember the movie The Program. Uh, back in the day, like mid nineties, right? Early mid nineties program. I think it came out like ninety four, ninety five. Um, uh, you know, Omar Epps was in it. Um, and they had a linebacker by the name of Alvin Mack, and uh, and had a uh, he was in in by the name of Latimer, right? And uh, Alvin Mack and, and Latimer had a moment in the locker room because Latimer took steroids and got caught, so he got suspended for three games. So, uh, and I believe they ultimately lost the three games that he was out. And it's the same principle. 
you know, and he was mad. He was literally pissed off with Latimer because he, you know, he was, couldn't understand why he took the steroids. You know, he said he took him to play. He said his performance was hinged on and he took him to play. And, and now, you know, so I guess, guess you ain't playing much now, are you? You know, he was pissed off with him because he did, he wasn't going to be out there with him, you know, battling with him on the field. He was going to be gone for three games. I think they lost all three of those games. And I think the one game subsequently, uh, that Latimer did play the game that uh, he, the Alvin Mack got hurt, but but yeah, we, but he lost three games and he wasn't out there. And that and that that's the same principle. You know, you're letting your team down. You're letting your team down. So well hopefully they won't uh truly affect the teams, you know, um in large regard, but it's definitely a thing to watch. You know, and it's something to question as a fan. If you're a fan of the team and you don't have one of your best players or the best player that you have on any side of the ball out there for a game because he's that vaccinated and he's gone for a certain amount of time. Got to call into question, you know, his his integrity and his morals, you know, when it comes down to uh, uh, how he feels about his team, you know, you know, it's, it's clearly you over you and your personal decisions over your team and your and your air quote family, because a lot of people say, you know, the football team is not just a a business and a and a sport; it's a family in the locker room. So, if the family if the family's feuding, nothing get done, nothing gets done. Let's move over to a segment called uh, Rise or Free Fall. All right. We're going to talk about uh, teams that in, in each conference that are rising at the right time or they're free falling at the wrong time. So uh, let's start with the rise. Uh, and we're going to start with the Packers. Um, so this is who's up and who's down and why. To give a, a complete understanding of the, of the, concept, of the, of the concept of the segment. So. So we have the Packers uh, on the rise, and you know, and, and they have every excuse, honestly, true. They have every excuse to be falling at this moment because they just totally, completely banged up. You know, the offensive lines in shambles by a personnel perspective, but they just keep uh, plugging and playing with offensive linemen and not losing a beat. You know, Aaron Rodgers' protection is still the same. You know, their run production is still the same. Aaron Jones and 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 AJ Dillon are still getting big yards on the ground. Devontae Adams is still killing everybody that tries to guard him. You know, double team, no double team, doesn't matter. You know, they're getting Valdez Scaling back healthy. He's starting to catch passes. Lazard is contributing. Uh, you know, they don't, don't seem to be missing Tanya too bad at the tight end spot. You know, and uh, then all of a sudden, you know, if the next week or two, they're going to get Boxiari back and they're going to get Jai Alexander and Zidari Smith back right at the right time when the playoffs start. And they already clinched the playoff spot in the division. You know, and it, and it's sitting pretty at the four. And if somebody they complete the rest of their games um, on a victory uh, standpoint, from a victory standpoint, they'll be the number one seed. And every game, yet again, this year goes through Lambo. <laughs> How they do it? How they do it? With all that turmoil and all that drama with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, Aaron Rodgers with COVID, you know, all the injuries that they had, they had every excuse to fall in their face. And they didn't. And they really did. They really should be free falling right now. And it's somehow or another, you know, by the grace of football guys, that they're honestly truly rising to the occasion and probably playing the most complete and sound football there is from both sides of the ball that, that anybody in the league. How are they doing it? How are they doing it? I don't know. Because they, they literally have a top 10 defense and a top 15 offense. You know, that's a recipe for winning, if you ask me. And again, you've got to play in cold weather in Lambeau for the entirety of the playoffs. That's problematic for everybody else in the NFC. I'm sorry. But – they're on my rise list, and I don't think it's going to change. I really think they could ultimately, unless something completely and utterly tragic happens, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to see it happening. But unless something crazy happens injury-wise, 
you know, um, to somebody truly vital like Aaron. You know, knock on wood. I don't want to see Aaron hurt. That's my, you know, but begrudgingly, it's been my quarterback that I've been sung praises about over the years, although I got issues with him now and this whole COVID thing. Um, you know, his 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 overall play and his ability is has to be respected. So I'm assuming none of that happens and they get healthy and not more hurt. I, you know, I really feel like, really feel like they're going to solidify that one seat. And uh, yeah, you got to play through Lambo. Yeah. So um, next team I'm watching, this team I'm tracking from a rise perspective is the Rams. And I think, and I, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to sell the, I'm not going to sell my, sell the stock. I'm not going to buy this, buy a ton of the stock yet, but I'm pretty flat. They're going to be on the rise based upon their performance as the cards. Now, you know, you, you listen to this on Tuesday morning, right? Now they play Tuesday evening. So this could, you know, if they will fall off, I bet. But my feeling based upon what I saw for the last few weeks is that I feel like they are truly understanding now and getting comfortable with their personnel and understanding who they are. And this and this is the key point that I want to drive home with the Rams is because I, I underscored this about them having issues uh, a few weeks ago on my podcast, right? Because they don't, they weren't running the ball. Sean Payton's DNA is power, is power run and play action. They finally and truly got back to that with Sony Michelle. Um, and hopefully Daryl Henderson will get back into that same freak as uh, being healthy um, this evening. But that, that's where they uh, kind of lost. The wheels kind of fell off a little bit. They got too happy and too fell in love too much with the pass. So they've gotten back to the power run game, the power play action game, you know, the, the rollouts, the naked boots and, and the shot plays, things of that nature on top of, you know, your typical, your traditional drawback pass. So they're mixing it in both and becoming a, a dual threat offense. So um, knowing who Sean Payton is, how successful he can be with a, with a good offense and a good quarterback, and he's got a solid running game at this point, um, injuries aside and COVID aside, they seem like they're on the rise to me. And I really feel like they're, they're really playing really good football right now and i think that they can practically beat anybody um in the conference at this point playing the way they've been playing um now i, I would like to see how they're going to fare in cold weather um because if, if all things were made equal at this point if they if they made it through the bucks or the or niners or the or the cardinals and you know it had to play in, in lambo at the last the division round or, or the conference title game how they would fare in cold weather you know because they're a dome team so how they would fare there, it will be, you know, calling the question. But outside of that, I really feel like they're one of the best teams in the conference right now, honestly and truly. So, you know, again, if they, if they lay an egg tonight, not bad. <laughs> you know, and I could, I'll, I'll, back, I'll back down my stance. But I think that what I've seen from them in the last uh, couple of outings, it's been, it's, been, it's been good. So I really feel like they're on the rise. Now, as much of my apparel, my next team on this list is the, is the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, um... Yeah, I think they're finally they finally hit an next stride. Unfortunately, you know, for the Chargers, <laughs> you know, and and we saw it uh, in the second half of the game on Thursday. Um, yeah, they're starting they're starting to, uh, and, I, and I think you know, ironically enough, I think it's been predicated upon the idea of them getting uh, Melvin Ingram, um, and and Nick Bolton coming into his own as a middle linebacker because that that kid is everywhere. Nick Bolton is everywhere, and he's a rookie, rookie linebacker, everywhere on the field. And Chris Jones moving back to his normal natural spot interior when they got Melvin Ingram. So Melvin Ingram and and Frank Cargan play the edge. Frank Cargan getting healthy. Um, so you got two edge guys in Ingram and and uh and Clark on the edge, and now Chris Jones will play the middle. 
So you got a, an embarrassment of riches from a pass rush perspective, you know, interior and exterior pass rush, you know, so that speeds up the offensive clock, you know, so that's getting them, you know, becoming better situationally from a defense perspective. And I always said the defense is a, is a personnel grouping sucks. And, 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 you know, I mean, let's be real. The Chargers walked up and down the field on them. But, you know, from a personnel perspective, it sucks. But situation, they can be very good. You know, so if they can manage to, you know, limit you on first and second down and get you in those third down situations and they can blitz you, they can pass rush you, they can speed your clock up and make you move and, uh, you know, make you throw on the run and get you off spots and things of that nature. And, you know, that could ultimately truly situation would be really good. And they are honestly truly getting stops on certain people from that regard enough allow Mahomes to have extra possessions again. And that's where it becomes dangerous because, you know, I, I don't care, you know, how accurate he's been for the pocket this year. Off script, Patrick Mahomes is a problem. You do not want him breaking contain, getting out of the side of the pocket and allowing uh, Tyreek and, and Kelsey to roam around and make plays. That's really what they're really good at. You know, it's not, it's not a methodical scripted offense that, that they're deadly at. You know, and this is my take on it because I watch him you know, consistently, you know, playing the last three years, you know, they all been together, they all been flourishing. Off script is where they really kill you, you know, because things, plays break down, you get called a routine play, they call it a design play, you have the defense called correctly for it, it doesn't work, and, you know, next thing you know, Holmes is breaking the contain, and he get outside the pocket, Tyreek streaking down the field, Kelsey streaking down the middle of the field, and they're both open, and he can pick who he wants to throw it to. That's, and, and it's you know it's simplistic it's it's craziness and simplicity but that's where it is that's where it is that's exactly how they kill you um especially when you have a decent defense you, when you have decent de- defense the good defenses always get beat by the by the chiefs in that manner you know because you have everything sewn up you watch the film you have them all lined up and you know exactly what they're going to do pre-snap and then the play breaks down Holmes gets outside he ad libs and he makes he buys time and he allows for them to run, get open, and that's what Tyreek and Kelsey are really elite at. It's really finding the void in defenses, getting free, and allowing Mahomes because because the arm strength he can probably can make every throw in any sideline. It allows him to get the ball to them down the field off script. That's what kill you. So they're doing that at a higher level. You know, they're running the ball a little bit better with Cloud with his Larry to kind of make you think about that a little. And, you know, again, if you don't keep Mahomes in the pocket, you know, and get after him, you know, that's where he kill you at each and every time. Each and every time. So I reflect there on the rise. And they, they literally could be the team, at, when it's all said and done, based on their schedule, to be the one seed in the, in, in the AFC now that the Patriots have lost. So uh, look out for them. The last thing I think is on the rise, to me, is the Colts. <laughs> the Colts are built for tough for the playoffs. Listen to what I'm telling you. You know, they started off slow, but they've got it going here lately. They've leaned into the identity. They've gotten healthy. Uh, and everybody's, you know, honestly and truly uh, really comfortable with each other now from a personnel perspective and offensive and defensive perspective. Defense is playing lights out. Darius Lynn is healthy. He's getting all – he's causing havoc all over the field. Jonathan Taylor is making people's life a living hell. And um, I'm here to tell you, cold weather, warm weather, rain, sleet, snow, dome outside – this team is built to last. Great defense, great running game, decent receiving uh, core, and definitely decent passing game off uh, the run action. They're a problem. They are a problem. I really feel like, and if you saw how they undressed the Patriots, they literally, literally 
punished and 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 literally beat up the the Patriots for four quarters. They really did. Yeah, Bill Belichick completely utterly frustrated. They couldn't do nothing. Couldn't do nothing. They just literally imposed their will all game, and that's gonna be a problem for most AC teams. It really is. They're not built to. They're not built to put to put up with that. They really aren't. I don't know if the team and the AFC just literally can combat it. Like you literally have to go punch for punch with them. You know, if you're air, you're a team that airs out and they run it, you have to score quick and and and, and you know and take advantage of your chances because they're gonna shorten the game with their run game. And just have to hope that they they make a mistake or or literally you can get them off the field once or twice and allow your team, the offense to stay on the field and get points. Because if you don't, they could beat any, any AFC team in, in in the conference. I'm telling you. I, I don't see a team out there they can't, they can't, they're just gonna give them problems with that with that formula. So they definitely wanna rise for me. So we'll look out for the Colts. Now teams that are free falling. <laughs> teams that are free falling. You have the Cardinals, first and foremost. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. And it seems like on cue, they are literally in trouble. And you know, I mean in trouble because they turned around after losing D Hop in the game prior to that, losing to the Rams. They turned around and lose a stinker to the Lions. Oh my God. Stinker. And I'm I haven't seen them play this bad all year. And this is my concern. Now, if you listen to my podcast in the big, in the preseason, leading to the early, early, early season, NFL season, week one or two, I said, you know, my predictions on the Cardinals were one, they did, they did fool me in the sense that they didn't flounder early. So they, they got out to a really big lead in the, in the division, right? So they won't be a, the fourth seed like I predicted. But what I also said, and I also underscored is that how they fared, uh, in the back half of the season, you know, and it's just taking a little longer for that uh, wheel to fall off, you know, in a sense, because, because if you remember from them, them last year, um, not, how, not with all these weapons and all this personnel, the, the upgraded personnel they have, but last year with Kingsbury and, and Kyler, Kyler got banged up a little bit. It, it started to hurt their offensive production. And, you know, I don't know if it just, it just affected his confidence, but he didn't play as, as, as well as he played in the beginning of the season. You know, this last gasp with the hell Murray he had, um, the D hop in the game last year against the Bills. Outside after that, they played really mediocre football and they're doing it again. They're doing it again. So in here here and now, in week fifteen, this is not the time to be playing mediocre football. You need to be playing your best football. That's why the teams that I looked at underscored on the rise are playing good football right now at the right time. These teams are not. And it's causing for concern because you literally could. I mean, the cards aren't don't have the, the division sewn up either. The Rams ascending. They beat the Seahawks. They're really in the driver's seat. They could, and they'd be one game back, I believe, from the uh, division title. You know, so the cards better figure it out. You know, and outside of D Hop coming, go, you know, being how they got all their weapons. You know, so you know, the DeAndre Hopkins really make that pass game go because it just looks looks janky without him. It really does. So suddenly the cards are in trouble. And if they're not careful, they could lose the division and be playing a wild card game. That's another problem. So uh, watch out for the Cardinals from a free fall perspective. Another team is the Bucks, and the Bucks is is a twofold thing, you know, because they aren't this you know tightly uh, sewn up um, this go around as they were last year. One, two, they they're riddled with injury now, you know, to the point where they had to uh you know relent and say they were going to definitely keep Antonio Brown whether or not they know it was the idea whether they're going to keep him and release him based upon the old facts 
fake vaccination card thing. You know, but they were saying that if we could, you know, get the job done without them, we'll at least let them go. But if we couldn't, then we would keep them. No, but they didn't. They were forced. The hand was forced in a sense because they lost Goblin for the year. He's down with ACL. You know that that really killed. That really hurts my fantasy team as well. That really sucks. But um, but yeah, I mean they're down. Goblin's down. Evans is is reeling with a hamstring, and Pointer is down with a hamstring. So they're they're all their big weapons and all the people they've leaned on since AB's been out are all hurt. Some long term, some short. So they're forced to keep him. You know, the defense has been playing lights out at all year. Patrick hadn't been as, as, as dominant as it been before. Only thing that's really, truly a mainstay is their run defense. Their run defense has been stout, is like it was last year. But everything else is shaky. As coverage and pass rush has been shaky. You know, the, you know the, look, look what the Bills did to them in, in the second half of that game uh, two weeks ago. They went up and down on the field on them from past perspective. They had most of all their starters. So, I think they're in trouble. I really do. I'm... The only thing that's going to save be their saving grace is their schedule. You know, they got to, I think they got the Panthers twice, and I think they got the Falcons. You know, they got a soft schedule. But, you know, they may win those games. But I think that when it comes down to playing a, a tough team in the first round, it's going to be, it's going to be a task. Really going to be a task. I mean, let's be real. Tom Brady is the GOAT, and he always has some type of magic or, or, or some type of things that go right. It'll go his way in the playoffs. So I'm not going to write him off, but. I think from an injury perspective and a production perspective, I just think they kind of hit a rut at the wrong time. And I think that could be a, a cause for concern in their chances to win the Super Bowl or go back to the Super Bowl again this year from a repeat perspective. You know, and I'd say this is no Dan Rodgers because they're kind of at that, at that uh, precipice or cusp of, of being, you know, kind of um, not themselves. This is your opportunity. If you have to face them again in Lambeau this year, you better take advantage of it because if you don't, you may not ever see the Super Bowl ever again in your life. So watch out for the Bucks. I think they're 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 on free fall alert for sure. The last team for me that is on a free fall alert is the Ravens. Um, they're on free fall. They just they're free falling. Period. I, I mean, it's just, and I really think is based upon. I just really think they were cursed from the get go from the injury bug. They uh were involved in in a preseason, you know, the preseason on down to the you know early part of the regular season. They just were decimated with injuries. They just keep getting hit more and more. Like it just, you know, it's like the injury police or injury fairy comes through and picks out your best player week to week and say, okay, you get hurt, you get hurt, you get hurt. Kind of like Oprah handing out cars, you know, you get hurt, you get hurt. They just keep picking them out week to week. And now Lamar's hurt. He's dealing with a bone bruise. He didn't play last week this past week so yeah i just think they're free falling and they could literally not playing the playoffs at this point who knows the Bengals could you know sneak in by default because the Browns just lost the ravens are free falling the Bengals, you know based upon their schedule they have probably the best chance of winning a division they'll be in the playoffs who knew <laughs> who knew but yeah the ravens for me are definitely free falling so we'll see so that's my uh rise and fall segment um for nfl teams so um you know, be on alert for that. I definitely think those are problematic situations for these teams that are falling and, and definitely good situations for teams that are rising. And uh, these these teams that I underscore could literally be there at the end. If you think about it, I picked two NFC teams, two AFC teams. I could have literally, you know, predicted AFC NFC title games. You know, you know, never know. Never know. So let's talk about the playoffs uh, in the playoffs as it stands at the moment. Um, you know, and... 
you know, and I, and I hate to, I hate to underscore what it truly is. You know, I really would just rather get into my predictions, but I'll give you, you know, especially for the radio audience, I'll give you exactly where the playoffs lie at this very moment. And I'll give you what my predictions are going to be for the end of the season. So right now, like, like I said earlier on, the KC, uh, Kansas City Chiefs are number one at AFC. New England is two. Tennessee's three. Cincinnati's four. Uh, Colts are five. And the Chargers are six. And the Buffalo Bills are seven. Uh, Ravens are teetering at eight. And so are the Steelers at nine. All right, so in the, a in the NFC, you got the Packers, who are one, Cowboys, two, the Buccaneers, three, the Cardinals, four, Rams, five, 49ers, six, and Vikings at a virtue of their win Monday night is seven, and Saints are eight. They're both at seven and seven. Washington is, hadn't played yet, played a night, and they're six and seven. So if they win, they'll be tied with a uh, three way tie with those teams. So, um, <laughs> yeah, looking at this. You know, I'm gonna give you my predictions because some teams I really, <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I really think they got about as much chance of making the playoffs as Chloe Kardashian and getting Tristan Thompson not to cheat on her. <laughs> I really think that that they really have that much of a chance, especially the Vikings. I don't believe in the Vikings at all. Um, so my predictions are are as thus. I think the Chiefs will remain the number one. I think they'll be the one seed. I think somehow or another the Bills sneaking in number two by winning the division. I think they sneak it in being number two seed. I think they will win out at this point. They better win out, you know, based upon my early predictions. But uh, but I think they beat the Patriots this week. I think they will win their last two and end up being an AFC, AFC East division winners and be the two seed. Uh, the Titans will be three. The Bengals will be four, uh, which makes the pass five. And then the Chargers will be six and the Colts will be seven, which will make it for the Bills versus the Colts round one, Titans versus Chargers round one, and Bengals versus Pats in round one. Very good matchups. Chiefs will have a bye. And NFC, like the Packers remaining a one, the Cowboys remaining a two, uh, the Bucks somehow, somehow gets on their schedule holding on their three, Cardinals um, holding on at four, uh, Rams at five, uh, Niners at six, and I'm I'm going back and forth. I think for some reason I just some reason I just want to think I want to believe in my gut that that the Eagles will make the playoffs. I really think that they could literally win out and, and make the playoffs. Because they're only one game out at this point. You know, but all, also predicated whether or not they win against the football team. If they beat the football team, it, it's that's very much in play. And also the Seahawks. The Seahawks beat the Rams, they're in play. But I feel like the Eagles and the Seahawks could be that seventh seed. It's, it's a hot take. It's a hot take. You know, could oddly be wrong, could be the football team. Um, so I'm pretty sure the Niners going to make the playoffs at the six. But the seventh seed, it could be the football team, the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Vikings. But again, like I said, I have no faith in the Vikings at all. They struggle with a, a bad Bears team. On Monday night, I just don't have any faith. But you know, only thing I need to have faith in is Dalvin Cook running uh, for the next couple of weeks so I can win a fantasy title. Outside of that, no, don't really, don't really have a whole lot of faith in them winning games. But you know, those are my three teams. I think they could get the seventh seed. It just depends. So they play, you know, the Seahawks play the Rams, the Eagles, the one football team play each other. So the winners of those games will be my front runners for the seventh seed. So we'll see how that that shakes out. But um, but those those are my picks um for uh, the playoffs at this point, and we'll see if I'm right or wrong. All right, so uh, before we get into injuries and and uh, and uh, last I had of the week, and then we're gonna do a grievance of the week. Um, I want to talk about uh, squandering opportunities, squandering opportunities, and I'm speaking directly to the Ravens and the Chargers. The Ravens and Chargers cost themselves uh, yet another game this week, um, based upon decisions, coaching decisions mainly, um, that I really have a problem with. I really do. 
I I just um I struggle with the Chargers especially and the Ravens as well because um I'm gonna start with the Ravens real quick. The Ravens lost yet another game um on the last play of the game because Harbaugh decided to go for two to win a game versus lose the game. So if you go for two, you win hypothetically, or if you go for if you don't get it, you lose because you're down one. Um, he did it in the Steelers game. Uh, they didn't get it. TJ Watt batted the pass down, and Lamar couldn't get the pass off, and they lost. That was like the last play of the game. The Packers game this past Sunday, uh, they went against the Packers and were uh, down one and decided to go for two again with 20 seconds, some seconds left on the clock, which gave Aaron Rodgers some time to uh, drive the ball down the field and kick a field goal. But Harbaugh decided to go for two there as well. Um, I have a problem with the way he, I, you know, the, I almost get the the Steelers decision, almost. Um, but I'm I'm for, you know, especially with having that dynamic playmaker like Lamar Jackson in the Steelers game, I'm for tying it up and then giving the opportunity to go to overtime and maybe get a coin toss. And I get it, because this issue was if they didn't win a coin toss and the Steelers got the ball, they likely were going to lose because they had no corners because Marlon uh, Humphreys went out and uh, with a pencil injury in the, the drive before. I get that. So, but I would, I would at least try to see if I want to get the coins off. You know, I mean, there's a 50, 50 chance, you know, if you get the, if you get it, you can drive the ball down. Lamar was hot at that point. And that's my issue with the Ravens because they were hot and they were run, moving the ball finally. And, and, and it's stretching the game. So if you do get the ball back, your office is moving the ball. Your office is, is, is has some momentum. You could go drive down and get a field goal and touchdown, right? And then put the pressure on the other team to score if they don't get the touchdown. But, you know, and I get it. If the other team got the football, you feel like you weren't going to get a chance to. I get it. I do. I get it. But I would. I want to give my team a better. I want to give my team an all or nothing chance to win a game in those in those stretches. I just had an issue with that, especially with the Huntley situation uh, Sunday. More so than the Steelers game. I, I really feel like that he was moving the ball. The, the Packers couldn't do anything with him at that point. He was really giving them an issue from his dual threat perspective. So if Aaron Rodgers doesn't drive down, you go to overtime and you're, you win the coin toss. I I've, I have faith that Huntley could drive the ball down and get a touchdown, and that's all you need. But again, at this point, they were flowing, they were moving, they weren't. They, the Packers couldn't stop them, so you were literally, you know, in a good position. So you losing those two games in the respect where you could have won them, ultimately, you know, really just could be your the defending defining moment of your, of your season, because if you missed the playoffs at this point, you know, if you had a, and you could have won two games. You could attack on two games to your record. You could have ten wins at this point. You know that's that's very telling, very telling. You're eight and six at this point. You really could be ten and four. Really could be ten and four. And 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 in the in the Catbury seat when it comes down to the division, you know you literally would be tied for with the Raven with the Chiefs. Actually, you would be ahead of the Chiefs because you would have a head-to-head matchup win against them. So you would be tied for the one seat right now. And now, but now you're out of the playoffs with the AC. That whole idea of squatting those opportunities, I get rid of a big problem with that. I really do. And and it ultimately could cost the Ravens. It really could. Now, they're decimated injuries in, in his own right, so it may just be a blessing in disguise that it could, just, could be over at the end of the season. Who knows? But, you know, if you want to keep the string alive with one of the playoffs with Lamar, you could have you could have done that with different decision-making. Now let's get to the Chargers and this whole the debacle of the Chiefs game. There were... 
and this good. This really could be quick because I, I I really I feel like I drove home the idea of spawning opportunities with the Ravens. The Chargers just to give it a, a a brief breakdown of what happened in the Chiefs game at home, right? Chargers at home. You were in the red zone four times. Four. In the red zone four times. You went for it on fourth down four times. Excuse me, three times. The fourth time was he wasn't even at fourth down, but you were on the one yard line. So you have a kicker that you signed, that's the Hopkins. You got rid of the other guy, you know, Miss Cayeno is what I call him. You got rid of him, you got Hopkins. You felt comfortable with having Hopkins. He's been really solid kicking wise when you give him opportunities to kick. So far, right? Hadn't missed but maybe one kick all, all since he's been a charger, right? So you get into the idea of you getting too wrapped up in the mystique of the Chiefs and thinking that you gotta get touchdowns every time you you have the opportunity to because the Chiefs are gonna put up 40, 50 points on you. That's how you feel. And and I talked about this in in uh in sports talk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. The Chiefs aren't the same team this year. You know, especially when Derwin James was on the field. Um, early on in the game. They weren't moving the ball at will against the Chargers. They weren't. So, and you also understand this, and, and this means, this is always the case throughout the whole entirety of football. You get up on a team, they play different. So, let's just say hypothetically, you kick three times in the red zone prior to this last one I'm going to talk about in a minute. You kick three field goals, and you, in a touchdown that you got outright, you're up, you're up 26 to 13 on this team. It's two scores, two two touchdowns. You're up two touchdowns at this point. It would take two touchdowns for them to take the lead, right? So they're going to play differently and play one-dimensional most likely, um, you know, for – and almost press in a sense because they've been pressing all year when they've been down. Let's think about it like this. Every team that they played against and they've been down, they press and they made mistakes. They did it against us in the week in the week uh, three or three matchup, I want to say. They, they press and and it cause and, and it cause turnovers. So you have to use that you have to use that against them. So but yet again, you left nine you left nine to twelve points off the board because of not kicking field goals. Now I get the aggressiveness to a degree, but at some point the old school way works. If you just split it in half and kicked two of those field goals and went for it two times on the other two times, that's six points extra that you have. And these are chip shot field goals. One was a chip shot field goal. Less, it was like an old school extra point. And the other one was a normal extra point. And if he can't make those, then he shouldn't be the kicker. And he hasn't had a problem kicking those uh, distance field goals at all this whole year. And that problem. So have faith indoors. No wind, no weather. Have faith that he can make those kicks and let him kick those kicks. Because those six points ultimately cost the Chargers the game. But I'm, saying, I'm just asking for 50%. Three to six points. If you get six, that's a touchdown. It has to be to be able to beat you. You get six points, they have to score a touchdown to beat you. They were they were down two of scores at this point. Down two scores. And again, that makes you make them play different. So if you take those four times, you don't get field, you don't get touch, you get touchdowns, the game is completely over. Yes, I get it. But if you just kick sometime, not not go for it every single time, you win that game. And that's you can't squander those opportunities. You can literally had the division. You can literally been the leader of the division at this moment and could literally have won a division because every game you have now going forward is highly winnable games. <sighs> you gotta, you can't squander these opportunities to cost yourself playoff position. That's the issue I have. And that's the, that's the issue that I have. And the Chargers really 
missed a golden opportunity to take the next step as a as building a better franchise and building a better culture from a, a franchise standpoint by by squandering that opportunity against the, against the Chiefs. And that's that's where where it, where it lies for me. That's where it lies. So, and squad opportunities. Kick the field goal sometimes, Brandon Staley. It's not a crime. You know, I understand the Chiefs have you flustered because you realize they think you think they're a high part offense, and they were once Derwin James went out. Because when Derwin James went out, Travis Kelsey went wild. You know, limited limited Tyreek, you know, in stretches. But when Kelsey started to go wild, and you really were, weren't able to corral him because Derwin's out the game, then that's when the wheels fell off. I get it, but you should have been up three scores by that time. You literally could have been up three scores. By that time. So regardless of when that Kelsey was going to get loose and Derwin got hurt or got pulled out of the game at that point juncture, they would have been down three scores and time would have just ran out on them. So you got to be smart about it and kick the field goal sometimes. That's all I'm saying. So as a quick injury recap as we wrap up here at NFL headlines, um, uh, some more injuries. Like I, talk, I talked about earlier, um, Chris Godwin, ACL, MCL tear. He's out for the year. Mike Evans uh, tweaked his hamstring. He's week to week. Uh, Leonard Fournette as well, week to week with a hamstring. Mar Jackson still dealing with his bone bruise. We're not sure he's week to week. Uh, Pernell McPhee and Justin Houston also got hurt this week in the, in the Ravens game. So they're just literally riddled with injuries. Each week to week, they drop in bigger and bigger names off the off the injury report. So, or on the injury report, rather. Teddy Bridgewater went out with a nasty concussion in the Broncos game. Um, he's released from hospital now, and he's back um, home, I believe, uh, with a concussion. So he's in protocol. Uh, Darren Wallace still out with the Raiders, and so did Zell Perryman. Um, and the Giants decided to shut down James Jones for the year on the IR. Um, he won't play anymore this year for the Giants. And Sterling Shepard tore his Achilles this week, so that's rough for the Giants as well. They already had a rough season, and that adds to it from an injury recap perspective. So, so that's the injuries for the week. So, um, uh, the last bit of no- last bit of uh, news is uh, the blind side, the blind side hit of the week. <laughs> And I'm here to tell you, I am here to tell you that the blind side hit of the week is a good one. It really is a good one. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Blind side hit is a good one. So the two blind side hit of the week for me was, if you watch on YouTube, you can see the blind side hit graphic. The two blind side hits for me for the week of the week for me was the Lions win against the Cardinals and the Saints win against the, the Buccaneers. Now, I thought the shocker of the week was the Lions win against the Cardinals. And the... <laughs> The the Saints decided to say, "Hey, hold my beer, I got this," <laughs> and they they literally blanked the Buccaneers this week, nine to nothing. Ooh-wee. that's why I said they free falling because can't lose those games, can't lose games. Somehow or another, in certain facets, the Saints just have the Bucks number. I don't know what it is, but I still think a lot of them had to do with injuries too. And just had nobody throw the ball to him. Gronk dropped like ten passes. I think he got targeted twelve times, only caught two. So gotta catch those passes, Gronk. That's my blind side hit of the week. So uh, let's move over to the NFL grievance of the week as we wrap up the NFL segments. Tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Most defenses grievance of the week, and this one is a good one. The NFL needs to tweak a lot of his rules. But no rule greater that needs to be tweaked in, in than this roughing the passer rule. There's a lot wrong here. There's a lot wrong here. And I swear there is at least one egregious penalty in a game that happens every weekend. 
And I underscored this particular incident uh, that I watched live, and I just couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Arden Key got hit with a roughing the passer penalty in the 49ers game this week. And my God, there was nothing he could do as a man of his stature but, but sack the quarterback the way he did. And the quarterback didn't get hurt. You know, it was just a bang-bang play. You know, they both got up, no problem. You know, and the, game, and the drive should have been over because it was third down. But they gave him a rough on the passer penalty because guess what? He happened to put his body weight on him. Now, mind you, let's just use physics. It was law of physics here. Arden Key had been was pushed up the field. Matt Ryan stepped up in the pocket, right? So he's coming back towards Matt Ryan from the uh, coming upfield. He's he's reversing field and coming back downfield towards Matt Ryan. So natural his natural pull of gravity is coming towards Matt Ryan, right? Mind you, right? Two hundred and eighty pounds toward you know leading maybe towards a three hundred pound man. Arden Key, right? He's coming downhill towards Matt Ryan. He sacks my Ryan. He lands on top of him. He didn't like purposely drive him to the ground, pile drive him to the ground like a like a wrestler, and, and smash him with his body weight. He fell off. He fell over top of him and bounced off him. Got off him. Got back up. Celebrated. Got off the field. They called a penalty. Absolutely, positively the worst call I've seen in a quite some time. It really, it really is. It really is. The whole body weight thing. You know, putting it now. Again, there has to be nuance and gray area here. It can't be an all or nothing thing. Like, you know, because in certain facets, especially if you're, and again, I was talking about this before. If you put your, if you, if you are getting, are you tussling with a lineman? You're a defensive guy. Defensive back, defensive, a linebacker, a DB, line, D lineman, doesn't matter. Whoever's fighting with the O lineman, you try to get away from the O lineman to sack the quarterback. You're engaged with another person. So the force of that person is going to push you in a direction that you're going to fall on the quarterback in its own right. That just, that's, that's the problem. That's problem one right there. So the whole body weight thing shouldn't be a thing at all. You're, put, you're, you're putting too much onus on the defense to protect the offense. That's not their job. Their job is to stop them. You're a defensive player. Your job is to stop the offense. That's your job. Your job is not to protect the offense on top of stopping them. You're putting too much pressure and too much uh, onus on the idea of you stopping the offense and protecting them in, 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 in its own right. It's almost like, yeah, I'm supposed to keep you from doing something and I'm also protect you and wrap you in bubble wrap in order for you to do it. Like, they're supposed to sack the quarterback, wrap him in bubble wrap, and lay him down gently like it's a bed of flowers. No. Football is a violent game. I'm sorry, NFL. It's a violent game. It really is. And the quarterbacks have to protect themselves. The old, you have, have the old line, you have old line, you have, you have, they have legs of their own, things of that nature. You have to, you have, you have to be able to protect yourself. There's no other no sport where there's no other sport where you are supposed to consider the person's well-being when you're engaged in battle. There's no other sport out there that they even consider this, but the NFL, one of the most violent games out there, and you're considering the safety of the quarterback. You have to you have to lay him down gently in order for if you're not to get a penalty. Most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. It really is. You know, then another penalty, I'm trying to remember who the guy was. He like, he gently shoved the quarterback and got a rough in the pass penalty. Now, mind you, he's being pushed up the field. His momentum is going towards the quarterback. So, you know, either he bumped him or actually used his hands to touch him. He gently pushed him and he, and he sold it and fell. And he got a penalty for it. 
And, this, and that's my biggest problem because they, the offensive knows this, so they're selling the idea of them, you know, getting these penalties and getting 15 yards and getting a first down. Because the 15 yard penalty and a first down. Come on now. Come on now. I mean, you got to either sh shorten the penalty on it, maybe make it make it five yards and no and no automatic first down, or or just do away with the idea of the body weight thing. Period. Because it's too much. It's too much physics involved. I, you can't, as a 300 pound person, most most times control your body enough to worry about having to fall, not fall on a quarterback. I mean, come on. There's certain instances where you can, but there's certain instances where you can't. And I've seen people hurt themselves, for, you know, from trying to protect themselves from not hitting the quarterback and getting a penalty. They literally torn up legs, ACLs because of this. That, that rule needs to change. It really does. You have to revamp the whole entire roughing pass and rule, period. You know, incidental contact, you know, body weight should go. For, for sure, body weight thing should go. If the diving delays thing, I'll get. I'll leave you. I'll let you have that. Diving delays thing, I'll get. And that's if you're not pushed. If you're pushing to their legs by the lineman because you're trying to get around the edge and he pushed you down and you happen to run into his legs on accident, then that's that should be a penalty either. But an, an egregious attack of the legs, that's a penalty. Yes, I, I'll let you have that. But the bodyweight thing needs to go and the incidental contact thing needs to go. If I'm engaged with the lineman, he pushes me into him and I bump him and he falls, that shouldn't be a penalty. It, has, it, can't, be, it can't be all or nothing. It has to be gray area. You have to be subjective. But they need to do away with that. Uh, they need to revamp that rule in its entirety. So the, that's my grievance of the week. So NFL, please change that for the for the for the love of God. Please change that because you're affecting games in that regard. You're extending drives when they shouldn't be, giving people extra possessions when they shouldn't have him, and it's just a complete and utter shit show. And you got to change it. So that's my grievance of the week. So that's gonna wrap up NFL headlines in the grievance of the week segment. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout. It's a lockdown Davis podcast. Back with a full quarter close out as the Lockdown Davis podcast. I am your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, it's been a hell of a ride, man. Uh, twenty twenty one is a wrap for the podcast this year. Um, been good, man. It's been really good. I've uh, been rocking with y'all for about um year and four, four months now. I want to say we started off in uh twenty twenty in August, and uh we're now in December twenty twenty one, man. We've been doing this uh solid for every week. You know, I think we may have missed one week in that entire time frame. So uh yeah, man, it's been a good ride so far, man. We're gonna come back. Fresh and invigorated and ready to roll. Um, started in a new year in 2022, man. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, also, watch always watch for pop up videos, things I want to share, and things of that nature that's going to uh, pop up on the channel. So uh, follow me on all our social medias. Uh, Twitter is Lockdown Defense, and every other platform is Lockdown Defense Sports, Instagram and Twitch, and uh, Lockdown Defense Podcast on YouTube. So uh, like, comment, subscribe on all videos that you see and uh, want to embark upon and give your opinion on. And uh, and definitely subscribe to YouTube uh, as well, so we can get my subscribers up on that platform, um, so we can get that going and get that rolling. Um, but yeah, we're in the fourth quarter closeout this year. Uh, we're gonna give out awards for breakout player of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy of the week. So uh, let's get to it. All right, man. That's uh, <laughs> interesting names on this list. Uh, you know, definitely a little bit of a. 
uh, non-customary uh, format a little bit um, from a quarterback perspective, especially. Um, cause, but I had to give this man a shout out. I really did. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, he was 21 of 26, uh, 216 yards uh, passing. So he didn't light it up in, in, in a passing regard, but he did have three touchdowns. And he had a quarterback rating of 139.7, which was the highest of the week. And I had to give it to him this week because of the simple fact that he beat the Cardinals this week for the Lions' second win of the year. So, yeah, Jared Goff had to get the award for quarterback this week because uh, he was highly efficient. He only missed, five, what, five passes, 20 yards and threw three touchdowns, and then beat the Cardinals at the time where they believe they were the one or two seed in the, in the conference. So, Definitely shout out to Jared Goff for getting that done, man. Definitely getting that done. And this is a broken record. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he'd been running wild over the whole entire league. This week, he had 29 carries, 170 yards, and a touchdown against the Patriots. Uh, so definitely the, uh, the high uh, man from a rushing perspective this week again as well. Uh, then we go to Travis Kelsey. Another tight end makes the list. George Kittle made it last week. Travis Kelsey makes it this week. Much of my chagrin and peril of the Chargers because he definitely beat us in a walk-off fashion uh, on Thursday. But Got to give him respect where respect is due. 10 receptions, 191 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. So one was a walk-off. So got to give the man credit as well for being elite and being dominant um, when it mattered for his team. So lockdown defenders are Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan this week had five tackles, five solos, two tackles for loss, two sacks, and three quarterback hits. And his second sack was his 100th sack of the year, of his career, excuse me. 100 sacks of his career. So he has now 100 sacks of his career. And I think that he is uh, in lockstep with the sack leader for the franchise. So, yeah. So Cameron Jordan's doing big things. And to top it all off, they shut out the Buccaneers this week. So we had to give Cameron Jordan some love for his milestone and his victory against Tom Brady this week. So, yeah, shout out to Cameron Jordan. And our last bit of our lockdown defender is an unlikely name in Charles Harris, linebacker for the Lions. Lions getting a lot of love this week for beating the Cardinals, I'm telling you. Charles Harris, linebacker for the for the Lions, had 12 total tackles. He had seven solos, a sack and a half, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. He was all over the field from a middle linebacker perspective. So the boy was getting it done. Boy was getting it done and wreaking havoc on Kyler Murray and those uh, Cardinals this week. So, yeah. So for Jared Goff, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Kelsey, Cameron Jordan, and Charles Harris, you get our awards for Breakout Player of the Week and Lockdown Defender of the Week. Now on, on the big dummy of the week, and it's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Somewhat lighthearted in one regard, but somewhat serious in the other. Uh, I have to give it to the NFL for this horrible and completely egregious rule. And I'm feeling like my grievance of the week and my big dummy of the week are coinciding here lately. But the NFL's roughly past the rule has to be changed. And I'm really upset with the fact that you are letting this go as long as you have. And you're doubling down and tripling down on the levels of of safety that you want to have with a quarterback and but it's and it's utterly been truly been uh officiated horribly uh, you, I, you really have to change this this mindset and that goes to every rule you need to examine every rule that's been a, a point of emphasis and a point of contention with teams uh in its entirety and go through it with a fine tooth comb and refine it and and establish some nuance establish some gray area and understand that it's situational not all or nothing you know, especially with the roughing the passer rule. That's I underscored that earlier. It's, a lot of that stuff has to go. It really does because you're affecting games. You're affecting people's ability to win or lose football games. And a lot of people get paid a lot of money and put a lot of effort and time into being a professional athlete. And to have it be a thing stripped away from them for egregious rules is something that can't 
continue in this league. You can't. That's part one. Part two goes to Brandon Staley. I have to, I have to give, you know, truly, truly be honest about my coach at this moment and his and him not honestly and truly being self-aware enough to kick field goals in this game because it wasn't just it wasn't just the simple fact that you could have won the game by by choosing to kick field goals fifty percent of the time and going forward or fourth down the other fifty percent. It's not just that. This particular game was very pivotal for the Chargers franchise. The Chargers franchise has been trying to take steps in moving forward and being a really uh, positive and relevant franchise as a whole, especially with the move to LA. Trying to establish themselves as being relevant uh, consistently throughout the league and being and not being have the same stigma of the of the uh, mishap Chargers. I'm going to call them the mishap Chargers. And it seems always have some type of mishap that cost them games. Now, this particular mishap this week wasn't on the players. It was on the coach and his decision-making. Got to kick field goals in certain regards. It's okay to kick field goals. The Broncos made the same mistake against the Chiefs that the Chargers did. If you kept kick field goals, you, the Broncos would have stayed in the game, one. The Chargers would have won the game, two. And they would be in the lead in the division. The Chiefs wouldn't be the one seed in the, in the AFC at this moment. The Chargers would be a higher seed and be top and, and be – uh, leading the division right now and could likely win a division but because the games that you had to play going forward are very winnable. So I have to give Brandon Stelly a big dummy the week as well because he should have kicked field goals. You can't lean too far into your uh, your uh, takes on things and not be uh, able to pivot and be smart about things when it's necessary. That's, that's, that's really, it's really how this country thinks in a lot of regards politically. Like you just completely liberal or conservative. There's no gray area with you. And you just believe what you believe on that side, no matter how asinine it is in certain regards. So you have to be able to pivot when it's, when it's the time to pivot and make smart decisions at the time that need to be made smart decisions and kick field goals when it's needed. You're in the red zone four times. You got point. You, you, you squandered three times and you fumbled a third the fourth. You, you went four and out on four of those on three of those. And you fumbled the th- fourth. You got points on none of those. If you got 12 points as far as kicking versus uh, uh, getting trying to go for touchdowns, you still would have won a game. But regardless, just even from a 50% perspective, you could have won the game by kicking at least two of those field goals. So, so the Brandon Staley in the NFL, you get the Big Dummy of the Week award. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap up the podcast for this week and this year, man. I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, like, comment, subscribe as always. Please tell people we're out here. Um, like I said, we might drop some secret videos here and there. It just depends on how the week goes and what goes on um, in the world of sports between here and now and by the time we go live again on a podcast uh, on Tuesdays. Um, but if nothing else, if, if you know if nothing else uh, transpires, look for us uh, first week of this uh, new year on Tuesday at 10 a.m. He's sending time on all platforms as usual. So in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Please have a healthy and safe, happy holidays with your families. Please be safe. Mask up. Uh, get the vaccine if you haven't. Get your booster shots. Do all the things that you need to do to keep your family safe and be safe against this Omicron variant because it's very contagious and it's very uh, telling um, as far as affecting people in this country right now. So please be safe. Be happy. Try to be merry as much as you can. Take care of your mental health. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your physical health and be well. And I want to see you guys in 2022. Until then, step up and log it down.